I reached Dr. Elizabeth Burks on a crazy day in fall 2022. She was beginning her 11th year in administration at De La Salle High School in Concord, California. She had three kids at home, one entering their senior year, and time was of essence. She was having trouble even figuring out when she would walk their dog. Yet she was gracious enough to give me an hour of her time to talk about power. Elizabeth, whom I've long known by her Malayali name, Uni, has a master's degree in molecular and cellular genetics from the University of California, San Diego, and a PhD in science education from Washington University in St. Louis. She's the 2020 recipient of the Multiplying Good One in a Million Award for her work in fundraising for mental health. Since our interview, she has now moved to full-time development work at Moreau Catholic High School, part of the Holy Cross Network of Schools. When you listen to our interview, you will quickly understand why Uni would be effective at garnering enthusiasm for any cause that she puts her energy behind. I got a new bookshelf, and um, it is very empty looking, and I'm so I'm glad. Well, look at mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. See? Okay, here. Good. Let me ask you this question as a way of getting kind of started. Could you tell me, just for the record, what is your actual title at this point in time. Okay. Um, so I'm Dr. Elizabeth Burks and I am the director of faculty development at Dallas Hill High School in Concord, California. And this is the start of my 11th year. And so what that means is that we together oversee the entire curriculum and the academic program of the school. Officially, I am the chief supervisor of the 75 faculty that work here. And I am an advanced placement biology teacher this year. What else? I am the director of the school's accreditation. That's kind of the general outline. That is a lot. No wonder you need to bring in somebody to help walk with us. When I call you and I say, I see you as a person of power, does that ring true to you? Like, do you also see yourself as a person like that? Or is that like, oh, I haven't really thought of myself in that way, but I guess that is true given all that I'm doing. Yeah, I think I see myself as a person of great responsibility of many people entrusted to my care (laughs) that can translate to being a person of power for sure. How do you define that term? Like when you hear that word power, what is that? What's the operative definition that kind of is in your mind around that? My dissertation and my work is really about community and communities of practice. I think a lot about tightness of belonging. There's a lot of different ways that people belong to each other. So I think the the way that I described it at first, I talked about, you know, people that are entrusted to my care, like the just sheer number of people that are entrusted to my care. There's a power to that. And so for you, in some ways, power means a responsibility for care. The tighter you belong to each other, the more power you have to each other, right? Or for each other or with each other. Even a two-year-old has great power in their family because everyone is required to care for them. So (laughs) everything stops if they don't have what they need. The tighter we are in community with each other, the more power we have for and with each other, I guess. I think what's happening is people are using that language of power to talk about a huge diversity of different kinds of experiences. And people are defining that word quite differently. And I think that might be one of the reasons, kind of like with the word truth, that it's a word that gets so tangled and people get heated. And like we get, like we're, we're talking sometimes about lots of different things at the same time. 
Um, and it is the definition you're giving. It's, it is a, it's a different definition of power than you might hear like in the newspaper, right? <laughs> I think so. How I see it operating in my professional life, in my personal life, um, it just, it's a definition that crosses borders between the areas of my human experience. I think what allows you to be motivated to do or to act or to believe, all of those things are connected to the communities to which you belong. I'm a biracial person. So my dad is from South India. My mom is from the middle of the United States. And so for me, there's a there, I had this experience of like, I am Asian and I am American. And when I am in, in like a Malayali community, there my tightness of belonging is pretty loose because I'm I'm lighter than all of my cousins. I'm lighter skinned. I don't have the language that they have. Like I don't speak Malayalam fluently. And so while we have the same like caste and class because we're in the same family, my tightness of belonging is less than my cousins to each other who grew up in India. Therefore, in thinking about power, my power is less in that community. And the same thing is true here in the United States, right? Like I am not white. I am not a white male leader. I am a brown female leader who happens to work in an all boys Catholic school. And so, so the question is like, do I belong? How much do I belong? And in such, how much power do I have to, to do something or to make people believe something or to change something? Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that that definition of belonging and race and class and language, it operates in my life in a real way. So the tightness that you're talking about in some ways enables the power part is actually like the, the capacity to influence a situation, the capacity to make something change. Or even to make someone grow or learn, or which is obviously really important to me as an educator, right? Uh, people learn from people who they respect. And so what I think we're doing as humans is like, do we belong to each other? Are we to, Are we in the same group without that sense of belonging it's very hard to help a kid learn or in my case to help a staff member a faculty member learn from me and so what are the ways that we try to increase our belonging so that we increase our capacity or our power to influence so in what ways do you foster belonging across those boundaries that immediately comes to mind that the Bible verses from John chapter 10 about shepherds, right? About Pope Francis and his idea that like, you have to smell like the sheep. That's exact, that's a belonging quote, right? So to me, I have to spend time with them. I have to, I have to be in solidarity with them. If there's not a natural sense that we belong to each other, I have to demonstrate why we do belong to each other. In Christian context, we understand that we all automatically belong to each other. For me, I think as a leader, what I need to, what I have always sought to do, even from the time I was um, an undergrad and deciding my career path, is how do I create more and more connections so that I can have that 
demonstrated sense of belonging that will allow me to have the power I need to make the change I want to make. I really loved science. So I started studying science and then I was really unhappy with how it was taught to me. And I thought to myself, well, I can just go into education and then I'll go and tell these science professors that they're like doing it wrong. If I'm in, if I get a PhD in education without being a scientist, no scientists are going to listen to me because I'm not in their group. Uh I have no credibility to tell them anything. I got a graduate degree in molecular biology in order to have that sense of belonging and connection to science scientists. So you create, you fostered a connection or a link um, in order to give yourself more access. Yeah, it, it's, it wasn't just a strategy. I actually believe that it, that you have to spend time with other people in their space before you start saying like, this is what you should do, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I have always taught a class, but I've never taught an advanced placement class. So now I teach AP Bio. <laughs> My solution is I will go where they are so that I can understand what they're dealing with. And I can lead from a place of understanding and deep empathy for what's happening in that space. It's kind of like, it's a, it's a different way of living the Catholic social value of solidarity. I'm very appreciative of the concept of solidarity. That is absolutely what I'm doing. In the LaSallian tradition, we have this phrase together and by association. And that is also a power in belonging phrase. That is the power of the Christian brothers, kind of this, this idea that, that learning takes place in this community of educators working together for the good of the students. That idea that it's the tighter you are together, the more in association you are with each other, the better the education, the better the experience for the students. And you've been in partnership with the Salian community now for many years. Yeah, a decade now, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And are there other ways in which that charism has shaped the way that you think about power? If you look at the life of St. John Baptist de La Salle, you know, he's the only priest and his connection to the institutional Catholic church was very different and very interesting and very fraught. And he would not allow the other brothers to become priests, to become ordained priests, because they would be under the power of the bishop. And the bishop would have the ability to assign them to a, a work that was not a school or to a, or to add to their duties other pastoral responsibilities. And so St. John Baptist de La Salle was, had a very distinct wariness of the church's institutional power over his project, <laughs> I would say. That kind of wariness... I see trickling down all the way to the Christian Brothers and LaSallian Ministries today. The kind of connections to the larger institutional church and kind of being very careful about what the connections of our ministries are to the diocese. 
and making sure that the that the power to make daily decisions resides in the ministry itself and resides with the Christian Brothers community and not outside of that in any way, shape, or form. It goes all the way back to the historical foundings of the Lasallian mission. I think there's more than that. Is the I the idea of shared leadership and kind of rotating leadership. There are, you know, it's not like somebody doesn't become counselor general and then they have to like die in that position. You know, they can go back to being a teacher in a classroom. They can go back to any ministry. They ascend to to positions of leadership and authority, and then they go back to other positions. And so this idea that responsibility for others is not forever or not permanent or not hierarchical or like residing in like the charisma of a single person, but it's something that can be shared within the community and rotated as a responsibility. I think I've also learned from watching the brothers. There's a couple of things that strike me as I'm listening to you here. One is that because your sense of power, you do have the power of role, but the way that you function within that role is another sort of power, which is relationship, like your whole thing around belonging. The one thing that strikes me about that is that that's an incredibly time intensive way of Mm. exercising power. So to increase your power, you're building deeper and deeper sense of belonging and relationship, but that takes that, that takes a lot of time and that takes a lot of energy. And it doesn't always work right away. Right. It's a slow power. It's a slow power. Definitely a slow power. Um, I I heard um, this week in, you know, kind of rolling around your questions in my mind and then also simultaneously listening and watching the queen's funeral, right? There's a lot of like talk about power and like, what was the power that she was wielding? And so I I heard people said, you know, the power of the monarchy right now is the power to convene, convening power. I thought to myself, like, oh, that's that's a power I have and that I use often. The power to call a meeting is actually like a really important power that I really have and I need. Uh-huh. You, know? you can call the meeting and people will show up. People will come. Yeah. Like immediately. And so that's that's a power that I think I didn't think about until this week when I heard somebody say, you know, that's the power of the monarchy. King Charles is having a meeting. People will definitely come, you know. Yeah. But again, like like you said, these, you know, these are definitely time intensive and not necessarily like outcome focused powers. Yes. And I guess um I was thinking about another Bible verse. Um, did you know Father Mike Russo? I you know did. Him? Very so, lightly. Very little bit. Not well, but I we met with each other at LA Congress. And yeah. I loved what he was doing with preaching. And we were all yeah. together, and then that uh, did not happen. So we were at his funeral on Tuesday. Um, He was a really, really close friend of our family. And he talked a lot about like, you know, the, the power of, of breaking bread. And that's, and it's, again, that resonates with me because that's, that's a relational power. You know, my grandma used to say, no one will, no one will come if you don't feed them. (laughs) And I think like, that's what Jesus did, right? You know, that's John chapter 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who feeds you. I think about that, that as another motivating scripture is the power to feed people, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, I have 
the ability to like order food to this school, which is a big deal. I can be like, I'm going to have all this food and then food will come and no one will deny my check request. <laughs> That's cool. Like people will then come and I will feed them and they will listen to me because I have fed them. Oni, is there anything that you think I should have asked you that I didn't like something that you'd thought about that was like, Oh, I wish I was excited. She was going to bring this up or I thought she should bring this up. But um, I guess, I guess the only thing I was wondering about is what have you read about power that has excited you so far? The most helpful book that I've read so far was by a woman named Julie Diamond and it's called power, a hand, a user's guide. Oh, and it looks at a lot of more like psychological research. One of her observations is that the great, the people with the greatest danger in the world are people who actually have power, but think that they don't. Oh, wow. That's very, that's very profound and very true. Because she tracks that there's certain behaviors that are associated when people are feeling powerful, there are certain behaviors that they execute. And then there's when people are feeling powerless, there's behaviors that they execute. And the most dangerous person is actually someone who has power, but is acting powerless. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about not necessarily people who have power or feel powerless, but the people who have not thought about power at all. Probably one of my, if I could like pin down one of my greatest frustrations is when people have power and have no idea that they have it or how or how to enact it. It reminds me of like Dorothy and the red shoes. Like you've been wearing them the whole time, these ruby slippers. You had the power all along to solve your problem. I remember one time there's a South African proverb. It said wherever, where, but it, I guess it biologically kind of plays itself out. Wherever there's a particular disease that's localized to that very area, there's also the medicine that's needed for yes, it. Yes, 100%. That is a biological phenomenon. It's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Do you remember how old you were when you first came into your sense of agency? Today, years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I come into my agency daily. That's like a question. I have that, yeah, That's a very Protestant question. Do you, when did you know you were saved? <laughs> well, it has been so good to talk to you. My ruby slippers are twinkling a little brighter just having gotten your energy. Thank you. Yay. I'm so honored that you asked me.